0: Great people do things before they're ready. They do things before they know they can do it. And by doing it, they're proven right. Amy Paula. Hello and welcome to Just Make The Thing, a podcast of people like me. I'm your host, Claire Tonti, for people who want to start a thing and keep on making it. Jess Perkins, or Bop as she's sometimes called, is an Australian comedian, a radio host on Triple J, and one third of the very hilarious comedy trivia pod do go on. This girl has the most infectious laugh and is a downright smart and talented human. She's also a very wise one. I loved that she jumped into stand-up by entering into the Raw Comedy Festival, and I think she proves Amy Poehler right. If you don't jump in before you're ready, you may never jump in at all. What she has to say on failure, on self-doubt and also about being a woman in the comedy industry is fascinating. Jess and I could have chin-wagged all day and did before and after I turned off the mics. I love her perspective on the world, her work ethic and her love of joyful, silly storytelling comedy because that's the kind that I love too. Okay, here we go. The latest episode of Just Make The Thing with a delightful bop. So, Jess Perkins... Hello. 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 Thank you for coming on Just Make The Thing. Thank you so
1: much for having me. I'm very excited.
0: Oh, goodness. Okay, no pressure. Yeah. It's going to be good. I
1: never appear on anyone else's podcasts, so no. <laughs> <I was gonna laughs> this is a huge honor for you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing. I know. I've been like preparing the house like the queen is coming. <laughs> we haven't just like thrown a little cushions on the floor for our soundproofing <laughs> and our dog hasn't attacked you. Yeah, it's, it's fine. It's totally it's fine.
1: It's amazing, the service. Yeah,
0: I know. and if you can hear something in the background, that is the podcast dog trying to get in to bully <laughs> Jess, but hopefully James will take her soon and it'll all be fine. Um, so, so I wanted to start, I've been wanting to talk to you for ages actually, mm. because you do lots of cool stuff, lots mm. of creative stuff, because it shows all about how to start a thing and keep on making it. So I wanted to ask you first, when you realized you were funny? Oh, Wow. Um, I think. Uh, I think
1: as a kid, I was aware that was something that was, that was in me, and I, I only realised recently that my parents, particularly my mum, really um, like praised that or put an emphasis on that. I remember in in primary school a couple of times when there'd be events on or something, and your parents had to write you a letter whether it was like we were out on school camp or or coming up to milestones in our lives and they'd get our parents to write us letters. And I remember I've got them and a couple of them, mum would sort of write that, you know, you've got this sense of humour that's beyond your years and and you can light up a room, like all those beautiful mum things. Yeah. But it's because they kind of praised that in me that I was like, hey, well, I'm funny.
0: You know, like that was just something I was. Like I was it's like part of your personality. Yeah, which I think yeah. is a is a great thing to
1: instill in a kid.
0: Oh I'll be really disappointed. And I'm sorry if my son's listening to this in the future. <laughs> I'll be so disappointed if it's not funny. Right? It
1: will be. Oh my god. My boyfriend and I were talking about that recently. We we're like, what if we had a kid and they were like a real nerd?
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, our kid will be a real nerd. Yeah. I reckon. But what, but a funny
1: one. Funny one. Have a sense oh, of humour.
0: I don't know. What if they're like a real straight-laced accountant type? Yeah. And I
1: knew you hate accountants. I know I do <laughs> hate accountants. But, yeah, that would, be, um, that would be the only way my children could disappoint me is to <laughs> not have a sense of humour.
0: Doesn't matter what they do in their career. Yeah, Maybe I don't they care. never have a job. But if they're not funny, yeah. get out of the Perkins household. I
1: can't judge their career choices. Like, <laughs> look what I've been doing with my degree. <laughs> like, nothing. So whatever they want to do is fine. But just have a sense of humour. <laughs>
0: Well, you've got a, a journalism degree.
1: I do, yeah. You? Yeah, <laughs> what
0: made you choose? Why did you laugh?
1: Because it's so silly.
0: Well, you're working on radio now.
1: I know it's true. That's
0: pretty official. I, I have always
1: joked that I never did anything with my degree, but I kind of, I kind of do now. I work for the ABC now.
0: Yeah, that's a real grown-up job. <laughs> yeah,
1: I had to do like, um, I had to do some editorial policies training, and I was going what? through it, and I was like, yeah, this is all I know. This, why am I doing this training? And then I was like, oh, you know this because you've done the degree. <laughs> You're, You're using your have, degree, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: That thing that you've got a lot of yeah. debt for. <laughs> yeah. Which is like James has a business degree and a teacher degree, and uses oh, neither now. Yep. When he did business, it was like make a flyer and send <laughs> it around. <laughs> Very different. Oh really um, good. Yeah. So yeah, why journalism? What did you decide that? Well, um, when I finished Year
1: Twelve, this is oh, this is like a big um, a big moment in my life. When I did Year Twelve, I did drama. And I got a perfect score in my drama solo. <gasps> um, top, It's like top 1% in the state so kind of thing. Funny. I know, that's why yeah. I did a big. <gasps> yeah, it was, so a, cool. it was a big deal and it was something that I wanted and worked so hard on. And so then I got, um, I'll, I, I promise this is getting to the point. <laughs> <laughs> then I got um, invited to audition for Top Class, which um, is the best, Uh, drama solos in the state they pick a handful of them you audition they pick a handful and you perform at a showcase and um I got that's all I wanted when I got when I was in year 12 all I wanted was to be drama captain to win the performing arts award and to get to do (laughs) top class and so I was drama captain I'd won the performing arts award and I was like I'm gonna I I really want top class yeah and I fucked the audition (gasps) I didn't I didn't complete like the the performance was fine but I started too early I wasn't focused enough and I didn't do my best Mm. Um, so I didn't get it and I also didn't get into the performing arts course that I wanted to do because my ATA, my score wasn't high enough because oh. you needed to be like really good at maths and biology to get into performing arts, which made mm, a lot of sense. Necessary. Yeah. Um, so that kind of, it was sort of the first time I'd really, really tried at something and failed and instead of getting back up, I stayed down. Um, my dad always says like, and it's not something that he's thought of, but he always reminds me like fall down seven times, get up eight. Mm. And it was, I stayed down and I I still credit that. I'm like, yeah, I just stayed down. I gave up and I didn't try things again. And so then my backup option was, um, I got into creative arts and culture at ACU, (laughs) which is is just an arts degree, but you had to major in something creative. Uh Okay. So I was a drama and literature major. Um, and in my drama classes, we would read plays. We wouldn't perform anything. Mm. There was no performance element. Mm. We would just sit and read plays. Okay. Yeah, and I was sort of like, this course is going to get me nowhere. Mm. And I wasn't enjoying it. So I stuck it out for a year and then I looked at a few different things. I actually looked at doing paramedicine. Wow. I wanted to be a paramedic. I looked at a few different things and then I ended up transferring over to Deakin Uni and doing media and communications. communications. Um, so I did all sorts of things like PR and general media and stuff like that and then kind of fell into uh, majoring in journalism and I had a minor in literature and film studies as well so Mm. it was kind of a fairly rounded education but yeah I ended up with a major in journalism and did work experience at like channel 10 and and a newspaper and stuff like that Mm. but um, yeah I think I even doing those internships I was like
0: this isn't quite for quite. me yeah did you love the writing element of it yeah is that why you chose it in the end
1: yeah absolutely and I remember feeling like I, I think I finished uni kind of going i learnt learned nothing but I realized much later that what it actually taught me was um which is funny because you don't see it a lot in journalism but I can't jump to conclusions I actually need to have all sides of information and stories to to make up my mind Wow. and I only noticed that years later when like I, I told mum about a story I'd read in the newspaper and she was just like, oh, what a monster, he should be in prison. And I was like, well, hang on, you've only heard one tiny part of it and you've jumped to a conclusion. And that's when I was like, oh, my degree taught me something. <laughs> so that's kind of
0: nice. That's a huge thing, especially now mm. in the climate we're living in, to be able to have that, yeah. to know that there's two sides to everything.
1: There's multiple sides, yeah. Uh, there's at least two.
0: At least upside and downside as well. Yeah. Like Yeah, you can look at it from so many different So many. And
1: intention and context and so many Mm. different things perception can Mm. can make it so different from so many different angles it's really interesting
0: oh completely and the way that you were raised shapes your world and your world experience yeah I 100% agree with that so what changed you went you did your journalism degree Mm. and you were down you said yeah performing arts What made you go okay, go to do something about I
1: think it this. was I'm, I don't even remember how it came about, but i I knew that there was a or I found out there was a training course at sin student youth network radio, and my friend and I decided to go along to that it was like one night a week for you know a period of time, whatever it was and um uh we went and did that and then from there you could sort of have your own show. So we were doing like this late night show and, and we were doing the graveyard shifts and just sort of having a go at it. And I realized that I really liked radio and I did more and more at Sin and there was one show that was called In Joke and it was just after a, a big breakup for me, like a... I was 24 and it was like a six-year relationship ended and I saw this thing on the Sin Facebook page that was like, we're looking for hosts for in-joke, you know, uh, Mm. apply if you want to give it a go. And I sort of went, oh, I'd kind of like to do that. And my usual default would be to go, oh, I kind of want to do that and check with him, not check with him for permission, but be like, what "What do you you reckon?
0: Yeah, yeah. And wait
1: for that validation. But now I only had myself to back me. Mm. So I went, yeah, I'll give it a go and that turned out, I think I did that for six months or close to a year or something Um, and we would just go see comedy shows and um, interview comedians and it got me back into that world of comedy that I had loved as a teenager um, like I introduced my parents to the comedy festival who've lived in Melbourne there pretty much their whole lives.
0: What? And they just had never... Never
1: really seen much or yeah. done much. But this teenager was like, I've got to go see all these shows and I need a guardian.
0: <laughs> yeah. So
1: that's, that's what they did, which was great. Um, so yeah, it kind of got me back into comedy. And then I just signed up for Raw and I was like, I'm going to give this a go.
0: That is ballsy. It's that is stupid. A big di- yeah. <laughs> it's a big difference though from being like, I'm doing community radio, mm. like where you don't see the audience to going, I'm going to get up in front of hundreds of people yeah. and try and make them laugh. Yeah. What was that first gig like?
1: Amazing. It was yeah. really good. Yeah. Oh, and because I was a drama nerd at school yeah. and was always, always lent more towards the comedy for sure, like all my at my solo and everything was always comedic. Um, so I knew that I loved being on a stage and I knew I could make people laugh. Mm. Um, but it was a different, different type. Like, you know, we'd done sketches and stuff like that at school, characters, now I was just telling stories as me. Um, but I think Raw's a perfect place for someone to start because you've got a pretty big audience and they're really eager mm. and they're really up for it and they're very supportive. So we went, uh, my parents were there, a few friends were there, And I think that was good too, that I told people I was doing it because then it meant I had to. Yeah. Because the day before I was like, I don't, you know what? Maybe I won't. Maybe I just (laughs) won't do it. Maybe I just won't turn up. Yeah. I just won't do it. Yeah. And I had to because other people were coming, Um, and it was a great gig. I went on like third and did really well, and got through to the next round. And it just kind of went from there. So the second, the second gig must have been like a. a, a, a preliminary final or something like that um, or a next heat, whatever it was. And then after that I got a message on Facebook from Pete Jones, who's a comedy um, yeah. comedy person, <laughs> He's yeah. a comedian, and um, he just asked me to come down and, and do a gig at a room he was running and that's sort of how I started to meet other comedians. And then it just made it less daunting mm. because the thing that scared me so much about stand-up was um, – like I didn't, I didn't know the logistics. Like if you're going to go and sign up for a room, where do you sign up? Who do you talk to? Where do you stand? Little yeah, things like that. Yeah. Stupid little details. Um, but then I started to meet people and that made it a lot less scary. Wow. You
0: know? And so you sort of felt like you'd found your thing?
1: Yeah, definitely. I yeah. felt like I found my people or a place that I belonged.
0: Yeah. Cause
1: I mean, we all, I had a pretty good time at high school. I wasn't you know, like a, I wasn't the like,
0: drama captain. Mm. Yeah, everybody loved Jess Piggy. Oh yeah,
1: everybody loves the drama captain. Yeah, yeah. no, but I was kind of—I was friends with everyone, I guess. But mm. it felt more like—I um, did feel like I was a bit different. And then meeting comedy people, I was like, oh, okay, these people don't think I'm weird or like a bit out there. they they are just my people. Yeah, which is cool.
0: So cool. Yeah, it's interesting that it was a breakup that kind of pushed you into mm. doing something again, because I often hear that from people that maybe not necessarily break up, but it often is. It's some kind of cataclysmic, life-altering mm. thing that happens to you that pushes you in a new direction. Um, do you, have you always had, uh, James and I talk about this a little bit, like a creative itch, like a thing that you have to make stuff and if you're not making stuff, you're sort of miserable?
1: Yeah, and I, didn't, I think I didn't realise I had that. Oh. until i started making stuff and now i can't really stop like i can't I, I get overwhelmed if i'm too busy but if i stop for a little while i also just get really anxious and kind of bored i'm yeah. like oh i got to do something i'm not doing anything i'm not being productive yeah um so yeah but but i still haven't i feel like i haven't quite nailed exactly what it is that i'm good at like i think there's i think there's something more i think there's but i don't know what it is but i'll find it
0: that's exciting. Man. Yeah. Maybe that's actually something that you'll always feel. Cause, probably. Because I spoke to Will Anderson and he said that too, that he had like a hundred things that he wished he hadn't got to yet. And he was like, I probably won't have time to do. Yeah. So maybe when you're a creative person, you always want to have that. Like, what's the next thing? Yeah, I think I'll so. There. What's the next thing I could do? What's yep. the next thing?
1: It's almost like it's never enough or it's you yeah. always want something more. I think that's definitely true. Because you'll sort of you'll tick something off a list, or you'll achieve something you wanted to, and then it's like okay, but you you can't be happy with that for very long.
0: Yeah. So he's like, "What's next?" Yeah. How do you feel when you come off the stage immediately after a gig?
1: Yeah, good, really good. Well, if the your gig's gone well, if it's gone badly, it's like, well, <laughs> where's the nearest bridge? Um, <laughs>
0: How do you go with that if you? Because I know you said you've had that failure early on, and that really you down mm. how do you cope with it now when it doesn't go well like that
1: i think you learn pretty quickly especially with something like stand-up that there are going to be rough gigs and it's not always in your control mm. um sometimes you can turn a gig around sometimes you absolutely can't but you see really good acts have rough gigs sometimes and you're like it's just the nature of the beast mm. and it one bad gig doesn't define you just like one good gig doesn't define you yeah. Um, so, and I think it also, it, when it, when it's early, cause I had early success, like I was doing really well with raw comedy and stuff like that, that I ended up going to the, I got through the national final
0: Wow. and the national
1: final was my seventh ever gig. Oh my god. Like I was really green, wow. but other people didn't know how new I was. So I always felt like early on, I felt like I had to be really good every gig cause they expected more of me. Mm -hmm. um but I think it comes down to like you don't judge one you don't judge a comedian based on one performance you see of theirs because I've seen people like the first time I saw them they bombed and then I've had in my head that that person sucks then you might see them again later and they're absolutely destroying and you're like oh no I was wrong I saw them on an off night and so now I'm a bit more confident in the fact that people in the comedy community know me and know that I'm capable comedian yeah so if I have a bad gig it was a bad gig I'm not a bad comedian yeah so I think that that helps with rough gigs now because you go I'm not a bad comedian that was a bad gig and that's Mm. it
0: that's like life advice yeah in general hey like your mistakes don't define who you are yeah they're just things that happen things that happen
1: and same with good things they don't necessarily define who you are yeah. Well, I guess they hopefully they do more so than the bad things. But like, yeah, you 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 can't do one good deed and be like, well, <laughs> I'm a good person now. Like it's yeah. yeah. Wear
0: a medal around your neck and just be like, oh, I'm excellent, everybody. <laughs> did the me. dishes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Winning, winning at life. Yeah. Wanting, winning, winning. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And I I often struggled with that too. I think and doing this podcast has been really good in that way that you start to learn that there's always another thing Mm. and there's always something else to try or something else to experiment with. And if you just give up at the very first hurdle, you're never going to make anything. Yeah. You know,
1: you're just going to, yeah, you're denying yourself all these amazing opportunities.
0: Yeah. 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 And to really be good at something, you have to keep building on it. Absolutely. Lots of little steps. Yeah. Yeah. And you
1: often don't quite realize that you've become good at something. Like somebody was asking me recently, um, uh, my friend Naomi she was going to be doing a like a demo with a radio station and she asked for some tips about you know, radio and I kind of thought like fuck if I don't know what I'm doing but then I gave her all this advice and I was like oh maybe I do kind of have an idea of what I'm doing with something I've been doing for about five years
0: <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like yeah you
1: probably you probably have some idea and I'm still yeah. learning there's still heaps that I, I can learn from it but like, I do know something. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, after five years, yeah. you know a lot.
1: And you kind of know what you're doing in a way.
0: Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. So I think it
1: sneaks up on you, and then you're like, oh, shit, I know what I'm doing.
0: Yeah. Which is I'm nice. Great. Mm. It's really nice. Yeah. And then I think life also can teach you. Once you get to that moment, then you realise, actually, no, I don't know yeah. that too. <laughs> yeah,
1: I don't know everything. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's, it's a continual learning process. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about Dugan. How yeah. did that eventuate? My, my
1: favourite thing. Um, eh, I, oh, the boys have told me that um, they recorded a couple of episodes Um, I think it was originally Dave's idea is what Mm, I heard. That's
0: what Dave was saying on the show we interviewed.
1: Dave's idea and he did it with Matt because Matt also had sort of a bit of a trivia background and they just sort of found that it was a bit hard with two voices because you sort of got one person doing the report and one other person going, yeah, it's interesting. (laughs) It's really hard to riff. Yeah. yeah. Um, And I remember being at a gig in Footscray and Matt was on and we were just sort of chatting afterwards and he was just very casually leaning against a table and he just said, oh, like Dave and I have been doing this podcast and um, wondered if you'd wanted to to come in and join us for it. And I was like, yeah, okay, I guess. I didn't really know much about podcasts. I just liked both of those guys because I'd met them through the community radio I'd been doing mm-hmm. and they both came on my web series. And um,
0: Oh, which is great, by the way. Yeah. yeah. I guess that was,
1: that was me just wanting to make something. It was just a passion project. I was like, I just want to make something this is an idea I've had and one of my friends was just like, then we're doing it, we're making it. And we did and it was really cool. Um, But it also meant I got to – it was sort of my first introduction to Stupid Old Studios and all of those guys and um, meant I I met a lot of people, which was cool. But apparently um, Matt and Dave were sort of talking and it was like, oh, you know, who do you think we should get? And uh, I think let's say Dave said, what about Jess Perkins? And Matt went, I was thinking her too. So I was sort of like they both thought of me. Aww. And brought me in, and here we are, like a couple of years later, still going. I know it's and crazy. it's the best. It's my favorite thing that I do, really? Yeah, absolutely. Why I, because it's genuinely so fun, like we really enjoy it. We never would have thought. It would turn into what it has turned into. Mm. Like if you told me two and a half years ago that in two and a half years you're going to have a joint bank account with Matt Stewart and Dave Warnicky, <laughs> I'd be like, why? <laughs> <laughs> why am I going to have that? Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're like a, it's like a business now. And um, but I think if you get into a podcast thinking, well, this is going to be my job and it's <laughs> going to be how I make heaps of money, it's it's not going to happen because you're coming in at the wrong. The wrong angle yeah was we just came in at like this is fun and it, it it still is it's still always fun I can be in a really bad mood or I can be really down and I'll head for the studio knowing that just talking to them is going to cheer me up Aww. and it always does yeah. they annoy me <laughs> <laughs> and I mother them yeah. and uh, that that annoys Matt but um yeah, they're, they're like two of my best mates now and it's my favourite thing that I do.
0: It comes across in the show, mm. definitely, because I think that's a feedback I hear from people a lot that they just laugh along with you. Yeah. Because it's not just the reports but the friendship that yeah. you have <laughs> and the way that you interact with each other and make fun of each other. And, yeah, but it's, yeah. It's, it's
1: it's we make fun of each other but it's with a lot of love. Yeah. Mm. It always comes from... Well, it doesn't come from a good place when you're making fun of someone. But it's, it's, there's no malice. There's no um, bad intentions. It is always friendly. And that means that the way people interact with us is much the same too. Like they'll muck around with us and they'll hang shit on us, but it's always in a pretty friendly way. Yeah. And I think the way that you interact on a podcast determines how people will interact with you as well.
0: Oh, 100%. Yeah.
1: So yeah. we're very lucky that we are friendly with one another because people tend to be nice to us as well, <laughs> which is good. Like, please don't abuse me on Twitter. <laughs> no, no, I couldn't handle that. I like it. <laughs> no, no.
0: I think that's like ultimately the whole planet broadcasting thing is like that mm. and it is. It's because of the way people speak to each other on their shows and then in the community, we, yeah, we're trying to build that yeah. kind of positive stuff which I think is really rare on the internet. Yeah. The internet, it sounds like it can be a really scary place for women. Yeah. Do you reckon? Yes. Have you ever experienced that? Yeah.
1: I mean, we get we get quite a lot of feedback from the podcast, whether it's re- reviews on iTunes or whether it's tweets or emails or Facebook, whatever it is. We get heaps. Mm. And 98% of it is really positive. Mm. Um, and, yeah, the, the small percentage that isn't, uh, I find I get the most feedback in general. Really? Like whether positive or negative, I'll get the most feedback. Yeah. But the negative stuff is pretty rough sometimes. Wow. And the boys are amazing in that they will back me whatever I decide to do. So generally we would always ignore. We won't engage with a bully or anything like that. What's really nice though is that the other listeners will. So I remember once yeah. this guy was like trolling us on Instagram he didn't even follow us but he would look us up and just leave abusive messages about me like wishing death upon me and call- about you. Yeah 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 he called me like he was saying that the boys were starting to sound like me and uh, the get rid of her get a real host on stuff like that. Oh my god. Calling me fat and things like that too and I was just like okay. <gasps> oh my, okay. God. Oh my god.
0: <laughs> And like uh, you
1: know, you read it on first reading, you are kind of like Jesus, but then I like would read it again and go, "What the fuck is he talking about?" Like, yeah, what? And then we would discuss it with the boys because sometimes I just need to kind of vent. I just need them to go, "That sucks, dude," you know. Yeah. And then I, and then I'm fine, but they'll always back me with whatever I want to do. So if I want to engage with someone and and shut someone down they'll back me, that's fine, or generally we'll ignore. But with this guy, a couple other people would would like comment and be like, dude, what are you talking about? Or don't listen if you hate it so much. Jess is the best and like they'd be really supportive. And I was like, okay, these guys are all right.
0: That's awesome.
1: But you do get some weird stuff, yeah, especially being female and a lot of marriage proposals and you're just like, (laughs) you don't know me. No, I'm not going to be your girlfriend. (laughs) Nah. No
0: nah, thanks. No nah, thanks. Nah, not, not random internet, man. Nah,
1: I'm good. <laughs>
0: I'm good. Not oh, good. I didn't know that. Yeah. I did not know that you got that kind of feedback. Yeah,
1: it's really interesting.
0: Yeah. Why, why do you think, like, other than just, do you think it is just that you're a woman and you're being in comedy?
1: I don't, yeah, I, I don't know exactly what it is. I think it's, it can be so many different factors. I think it is a woman, Um. I think it's a funny woman. Um, which is intimidating because that means intelligent woman. Um, but also like most most people will really like my laugh. I've got a, quite a loud laugh.
0: It's the best. I love your laugh. <laughs> a
1: lot of people do and that's really, really nice, but you'll get other people like, shut up. <laughs> I'm like, well.
0: Don't listen, guys. Yeah,
1: don't listen. If you hate it that much, yeah. it's, it's part of what I contribute to the show. <laughs> Yeah. It's infectious.
0: One of my favorite yeah. parts. Yeah.
1: It's so silly. But yeah, yeah, so it is it is a bit strange. I'm not entirely sure what it is that motivates people to to send hate, but it does tend to be I, I don't know, maybe the boys get it and I don't see it as mm-hmm. much, but they they definitely don't like me sometimes. Um, but I don't care. Yay.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: I think you get to a point where you're just like, "No, I'm I'm secure in what I'm doing and I'm going to focus on the good feedback." Yeah. And constructive criticism I I'm always very open to. Mm. But just saying like you're shit and you're not funny. And your laugh's annoying. I'm like, well that's not very constructive, is it?
0: No, that's can't not. change
1: any of those things, so <laughs>
0: So move on. Move on, thanks. Bye. Bye. Yeah. There is a kind of thing, because James gets that a lot on Mr. Sunday movies on his mm. YouTube, particularly. They get like they have a whole segment on their show called Hate Mail, <laughs> which is just that James reading out death threats and like ridiculous <laughs> things people say. Um and he deals with it by yeah, just laughing about it. You in have the to, end. Yep. And in a way, you sort of think the bigger that you get, if you're not getting hate mail yet, that means you're not that big. Yeah,
1: a <laughs> <laughs> that's if a you great way of looking at it. Yeah. Like, if
0: you're getting hate mail, you're like, yeah, I think I've made it now. Yeah, I've about. done it. Yeah, but I do think there is something about that whole men being threatened thing. Yeah which I don't understand because I would never write to someone. I I mean, I very rarely write to anyone on the internet that I follow anyway. Yeah. But I can't ever imagine being like, I don't know what I'm going to say. You're an idiot and I hate your laugh.
1: It's so strange. I would never do that either. But it's also the thing that bothers me is that um, like I would get feedback that has nothing to do with what I'm employed to do. So my job – I have many jobs, but mostly is to be a comedian, mm. to do a podcast or to do radio. Like mm. I, I, that's what I'm there for. Mm. So I actually get like, and it sounds so stupid, but I get really annoyed when people will be like, you're pretty. <laughs> not that that happens often. I'm not bragging. But like if people just like, yeah, guys will send me messages on Instagram or, or anywhere and just be like, you're so beautiful. I'm like, that's not my job. No. Don't compliment me on that. That's not what my, I'm employed for. I'm no. I'm intelligent and I'm funny. That's what yeah. I'm employed for. I you can say I think you're really funny or thanks for making a great podcast or whatever or the opposite if that's what you want. But don't talk about my looks. I, that's not what I'm here for. No. And that bothers me for some reason. Well, I think that's reasonable, but it's just like yeah. No, nah, piss off.
0: Yeah. Mm. I completely understand. Do, why do you think it bothers you?
1: Um because I don't want to be seen as – because that feels like it's something you'd only say to a woman. I don't feel like the boys get, gosh, you're handsome.
0: <laughs> oh, love that outfit and yeah. you mm, marry me. Yeah, God,
1: you look good. Or, aren't you cute? And like, I, I feel like it's just something that men feel it's okay to say to women, mm. but it's not, and it's not – yeah, you don't know me for starters – yeah. we're not friends if a friend comes up to me and says you look nice today or oh you've had a haircut that looks good whatever that's yeah. fine and, and a lot of the time it can be friendly yeah and that's fine and it's funny that like people will notice that I have a haircut and will say oh Jess your hair looks good and that's you know that's fine that's not yeah. creepy or anything it's when it, no. it's when it crosses that boundary and it's a bit bit creepy or a bit too personal or something it's like no yeah. like I've th- I got one once that I just ignored and it said something like um, all three of you on the podcast are really funny but you're the only one who's also truly beautiful or something like that oh. I was just like gross dude just say you're all funny just say you're all really funny and I like the show yeah. leave it at that
0: exactly this is such an important conversation I think to have because I'm sure there are a lot of blokes out there that a would be like what? but I'm saying you're beautiful I'm giving you a yeah. compliment what is the problem yeah. And I think I went to Silly Bacola's show last night and she was talking a little bit about the whole Me Too stuff mm. and all of this conversation. And I think it's about us saying this kind of stuff mm. and guys hearing it and being like, oh, it's not okay if I don't know you. Yeah. And I like what you do to then sort of, it feels like you're objectifying us. Yeah, exactly. Into something like just the way we look.
1: Yep. I'm just an object. Yeah. But it's I'm not I'm a fully formed human.
0: I can attest to that. You're yeah. in my house, sitting on the couch.
1: I'm real. Yeah. I'm a person. I have feelings, sometimes too many feelings.
0: Yeah.
1: And I work really hard on lots of different things. Mm. One of which is not my looks or my appearance. That's not what I'm here for. Yeah. I'm I my job is to like entertain you and make you laugh. Yeah. I'm not an object. Yeah. So yeah, when when people will um Like, I remember a live show we did a little while ago, um, a guy walked in and he was like, hi, Jess. And he was really lovely. And we chatted a bit and he goes, I love your shirt. I said, thank you. It's new. I don't know how I feel about it. He goes, no, I love it. It's great. I said, thanks very much. You know, and like in in the context, it's sometimes it can be fine. Yeah, that's lovely. That's fine. Yeah. But yeah, it's when you just get random messages, it does, it irks me a bit too, because I'm just like, I'm not an object. I'm not. Yeah, I'm, yeah. not
0: decorative. Yeah. Yeah, that and, and that you wouldn't say that to a bloke yep. in the same way. Yeah. I mean, I don't, because actually when I think about it, James and Meso get a lot of mail mm-hmm. and emails, but they very rarely get emails that are like, you're beautiful. Yeah. You know, they might get, when James revealed his face, a few people were like, well, he's pretty good looking and handsome. <laughs> uh, we thought he was going to be a troll. And you know, that was okay. That's fine. That's fine. But, but it's not done very often. And yes. It's, and it's very rarely what they really value about yeah. their skill set.
1: And in a way that's kind of like they're mucking around a little bit there anyway in that context where it's like, oh, he's all right looking, thought he was going to be a troll. Like that's kind of funny.
0: Yeah. But, yeah,
1: yeah, often it will be like Matt and Dave are so funny. Jess, you're gorgeous. And it's like, fuck you. I'm hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Even if you don't think I'm that funny, that's fine, whatever. But, like, I'm, I'm not there as a... As it you're right, As a decorative. The, I'm not decorative. You're
0: not the bauble.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: That kind of sometimes annoys me in radio, that trope of the two funny blokes and then the woman who's like, guys, be serious. Yeah. You know, oh stop it, Greg. Yeah. Get back on track. You yeah. know, that kind of trope. Yeah. Um, and that's why I love like Chrissy Swan or someone mm. like her who is just genuinely and there's lots of funny women in radio. It's not that there isn't, but just do you know what I mean? Yeah. Sometimes on chat shows and things, you can kind of see that, that mm. the women are there to be a little more decorative. Mm. I feel like it's changing. Though. Yeah, I
1: think so. And I fall into that role sometimes on the podcast. Like I was watching back um, – we've been recording, we've been filming our live shows at the comedy festival. Yeah. And I was watching back one that we did a couple of weeks ago and I was in a real mood that day. Like I had – Oh, I had been very upset and down and, and stressed all morning. And so, anyway, so we get to the show and I'm fine, but I'm grisly. Yeah. I was a little bit snappy and I was mothering the boys a bit yeah. and was doing a bit of that, like, Matthew, you're going to be, I do it to Matt particularly, but it is <laughs> always as a joke. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. So, anyway, he left the stage at one point and I said, okay, you're going to stay in time out until you're ready to behave. <laughs> and I'm I'm joking, but I was watching it back like, ah, oh, I don't want to fall into that. No. I don't want that to. to be my role because it isn't and more often than not i'm derailing the podcast
0: yeah you are you're the one that's getting so silly and like creating some little like land in your head you've just jess has just gone into some world where the carrots are talking to her or something.
1: but it's so fun in that yeah, world yeah, yeah
0: yeah and it is and so dave's fun. kind of
1: the one that has to pull us back into track
0: yeah yeah exactly and
1: i think that's what's nice about the podcast is that we don't have defined roles we kind of like sometimes i'm the idiot sometimes matt's the idiot occasionally Dave's see it but like Dave will go on like a a tangent where he's playing this character now and yeah, yeah. and Matt will just throw in little lines here and there so you kind of you, you're not stuck in one role which I think is nice like yeah, there isn't absolutely. one straight man there isn't one idiot we kind of you just do what you feel at the time and maybe that's kind of why it works too yeah is because you yeah you're not stuck having to play your role you just Getting to be yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: My favourite parts of the show when you're doing the improvisational <laughs> kind of like <laughs> like, And when they do the Dougal animations, that one, <gasps> where someone's flying or something. You go, Dave oh, starts yeah. flying and there's like a can of beer or something yeah, in someone's right. like bits. Yep. I don't know. Just uh, my favourite bits. They're ridiculous.
1: Yeah. yeah. Or whenever Dave goes, well, my, I think my favourite's when it was Shackleton's expedition and there was the slugs. Yeah. <laughs> just. Like just so left field from Dave that like, I wasn't expecting it and it just broke me. He's so funny. He's
0: so funny. I'm now dress like a are. slug and chew our way out of it. Like
1: it's ridiculous.
0: <laughs> but it's great. It's so great. Yeah. And that's I think why it works. Who are your comedy heroes? Um, I always thought
1: because um, I, I, I got really into skit house when I was in high school. I don't
0: know. that is it was a
1: sketch show tripod were in it tripod were huge to me Mm. they were my rock stars I loved them so much I saw all of their shows and had t-shirts and dvds and everything um which is interesting because they're musical comedy but um I'm not (laughs) (laughs) I don't have musical ability um but I think what they showed me was that um like because a lot of their shows would be like almost like plays, they'd be like a, a, a full-on show that they would insert songs into mm-hmm. um, and it would be really clever and, and creative with how they did things. They'd use projectors and stuff like that and do all sorts of um, you know weird and wonderful things and I think that just taught me that all the stuff that I loved about drama class could be comedy, like could be a, you could make a job out of that or you could perform that for people. Yeah. So I think they were pretty big formatively for me um in terms of stand-ups I always struggle a little bit with that Celia has always been a big influence of mine not an influence but um I've always really liked her comedy and I think we are quite similar Mm. with when I did raw one of the reviews was that like Celia Bacolla is an obvious influence like I'd like I'd kind of ripped her off a little bit but we have the same mannerisms we look kind of similar yeah um like I could definitely play her sister if she's listening.
0: In her next In her next show. Her next Rose show. Haven. Yeah, yeah, if
1: Rosehaven, yeah. if Emma needs a younger sister or something, I'm available, that's uh, yeah, uh, yeah. all I'm saying. Um, <laughs> yeah, or a or similar age sister. Sorry, Celia, you're not that much older than me. Anyway, um, yeah, so I, I've always admired her because I think she's amazing and I like her style and I think she's she's really joyful on stage
0: that's what I loved I know I saw her last night and that was what I mean she goes some dark places too Mm. but ultimately is funny and silly and joyful she's
1: really silly and fun and I love that um and I guess like yeah she's always been one of my favorites I've always loved David Quirk too um, again, because he's he's quite a unique storyteller. I've always loved storytellers. His turn of phrase has always made me laugh a lot. Same with Guy Montgomery. Something about the New Zealand um, sense of humour is so absurd but mm. so dry mm. and I love it and his turn of phrase kills me every time, even just being in the car with him on long road trips in um doing roadshow in wa i would just be in fits of laughter (laughs) just talking to him um which is amazing and and like going abroad i think um like mike babiglia and his stand-up specials amazing just the storytelling how well he plays with tension with silence because silence is like the mortal enemy of a stand-up comedian it's terrifying Mm. because if you're not talking but they're quiet, you're stuffed. Like that's what happens in your head. You're like, I'm bombing here. So to be confident in the silence is such an amazing tool. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, him and that. And then uh, did you see Nanette, Hannah Gadsby's Nanette?
0: Oh, my God. Yes, I did.
1: Oh, destroyed me. And it was the same thing. It was that she could play with the tension. She wasn't afraid of it. She would let us get so low and then she'd pull you back up and you just go, fuck, you're an absolute master.
0: Yeah, it was It was really like just... She was even telling you she was doing yeah. it and you still were completely absorbed yeah. in it. And then I just like sobbed. Balled my eyes out. Oh, oh I, I sat... I just sat in it for a while. Yeah. You know, she left the stage and I just sat there like yep. in
1: like... Yeah. Yeah. It was so heavy. And I... I don't like standing ovations because <laughs> I usually think they're, they're quite forced or whatever, but I was straight up out of my chair mm. for that show. It was amazing. And then I remember leaving the theatre. And at first I was like a little bit shy that I had cried and then I was like, no, nah, stuff it because there were so many other people around me also feeling it. Oh, yeah. And you should never be ashamed of feeling those feelings. And my boyfriend and I were just walking down the street, walking down Swanston Street afterwards just in silence. Like we couldn't even speak. We couldn't process what we'd just seen. It was incredible, mm, and I just voice. think being able to—my dream would be to be able to just leave people feeling something after a show. It doesn't have to be feeling sad, <laughs> preferably <laughs> Broken, not.
0: Yeah. yeah, but
1: if they can walk away feeling whether it's empowered or or thinking about something they hadn't thought about, or I don't know, it, just feeling better or I don't know but just just feeling something is all that I would want to achieve
0: having that depth of connection yeah audience yeah yeah what's that like on stage when you're up there and you have to elicit a response from the crowd how do you go about that what does that feel like that kind of space between them and you
1: Mm. it can be hard to connect but that can be on so many different levels like sometimes you would argue that a smaller audience is easier to connect with because you can literally make eye contact with people and it feels more intimate but I've had gigs um like one of my best gigs ever was in Darwin to about a thousand people during roadshow, and uh, like basic setups were getting good laughs like we were just connected and I'm not I can't pinpoint how that happens whether it's something in your own confidence or whether it's um then, yeah, so it must be something to do with your confidence because then they trust you. Mm. If you look shaky, they're like, oh, I don't know what's going on here. Because yeah. I think, and this is something I only figured out last week in seeing a show that made me uncomfortable to start with, is that I think humans need somebody to be in control. Mm. If it's themselves or if it's somebody else, that's fine. Like if I think we'd all feel uncomfortable if you were in a driverless car. You know, <laughs> you'd just freak out a little bit. You get in a tram, there's a tram driver. You um, go to school, there's a teacher. Like there's somebody in control and if it's not somebody, then it's you. Mm. But I think I saw this show last week, Nelly Palomides laid, Mm. may have heard some buzz around it. It's just Mm. been nominated for the Barry. Um, And the first like 10 minutes, I was so uneasy because I was just like, I don't know what's happening here. There was a bit of crowd work. There was some clowning. There wasn't a lot of dialogue to start, and I was like, oh, I don't know what – I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what was happening. And then through her performance and a few little glances at the audience and um, the way she handled things, you suddenly realise that she's completely in control. She knows exactly what she's doing, and she's got you. So then I was able to just relax and go with it, and I think – Maybe that's where it comes from—is like the audience needs to know that you are okay, yeah. and you're in control, and you know what you're doing. Um, I think
0: that is so smart. Mm. No, it really is. That, yeah, you nailed that. Because it is—it's what like because we've seen like a, a fair bit. Or we've tried to see as much as we can in this comedy season, and mm. it's totally that. Yeah, that when you see someone who you get the sense doesn't know what they're doing you immediately are like oh god i hope they're okay yeah oh, this is oh no makes you uneasy yeah yep yeah but then
1: and and somehow and it, it was interesting talking to other people i saw the show with there were different points for each of us that we relaxed ah. and so for for one of the girls there's a, p- a part in the show where she um she nicks it she's pretending to shave but she actually cut herself and so she's sort of going oh god i need a sorry, I just need a Band-Aid or something and the text running around trying to get a Band-Aid and people in the audience are looking for tissues and then she just goes, psych! Huh? It's called a blood capsule, idiots, and then she goes on with the show. And so one of the girls that I was with, that was that was the point where she was like, nah, she's, a, I've, she's got us. Yeah. Whereas for me it was a tiny bit earlier than that because she was sort of almost breaking character and just kind of giving the audience little looks here and there where she'd kind of smirk at you and I was like, okay, she's not a deranged lunatic she is in control and she knows what she's doing yeah. so it's yeah it's really interesting i don't know how you can you can't really force that as an as a, as a performer either you can't be like i'm in control it's okay
0: yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah walk out and just tell everybody all right
1: everyone i'm in control so just relax all right here we go <laughs> cuz that that would make you think the opposite <laughs> it
0: would wouldn't it like
1: you are not in control no actually
0: mm. you know what I actually think that's what makes a good teacher too. Now that yeah. I think about it, because, you know, James and I were primary teachers for years and that, and being a student in a classroom, you get immediately those teachers that you know are not in control of this. They yeah. Know where they're going, they don't know what they're doing and the kids respond. Yeah. And it's the same. Yeah. If you know what you're doing in a classroom, then the kids immediately just go, oh, okay, she's got this. It's all right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's a t- It's that's so interesting.
1: Somebody has to be in control. Yeah, and we're totally fine if somebody else is. Yeah, yeah. as long
0: as they assert themselves. Yep. I've been found with kids in the classroom. There'd be these sort of like, and I love the naughty kids are my favourites. I mean, you <laughs> can't say that. You can't be like, yeah, keep like saying super things. Let's just have a conversation and like. You know, make fun of each other. Like, no, I'm in control. So they, but they would want to test you yeah. to just kind of like see if I really was. Mm. And some kids just needed that. They actually needed to arc up, say a whole lot of ridiculous shit at you. Yeah, like one kid told me I had a mustache or something just to see what I would do. Yeah, and then I just stared at him down for like you know like a good couple of minutes. He yeah, was so uncomfortable. And then I was like, yeah, I'm Italian, mate. It's fine. <laughs> and then, you know, like it just It's just like Yeah and then and then he kind of went, Oh yeah, okay, she's all right. Yeah. She's got it. she's got it together. And then there are other times teaching where I did not have it in control yep. and it's awful and they know and yeah. it's chaos.
1: But sometimes you can't force that either. You can't force no. being in control. No. Being on a stage where you don't know how that audience is gonna react, you sometimes you don't fully know what you're gonna say or how it's gonna go. Yeah. So you can't just be like, well, I'm in control. Here we go. Well, maybe you can. Maybe that's something that you just learn over time. I don't know.
0: Do you reckon – I reckon this might be a bit of life stuff. Mm. Like if you – because I do a lot of reading about like Eckhart Toll and like Brene Brown and all those kind of like opary people. <laughs> but they do often say that if you fight it and you force something in life, in anything – It's not going to work. Yeah, you've got to go with it. Yep. And in it, in that, in itself, is this kind of like knowledge that it'll be all right. Yeah. And maybe that's what it means to be in control.
1: And there's a part of me now as well that's like, even if something isn't okay, and this is such a comedian's brain, but even if something doesn't go well, you could get a good story out of it. Yeah. (laughs) You know, (laughs) like I, we were talking earlier because I went, I had a wisdom tooth out yesterday. (sighs) Right, yeah. and, but at least I was kind of like, well, I could potentially get a good story from this, you know. <laughs> like yeah. everything that goes wrong, you're like, well, I'll give it a go because there'll be a story regardless. Yeah. Which is so stupid. But it means you just pull inspiration from anything. Like I I want to write a joke now about how a conversation I had with a friend recently because I was on my way to, um, to my psychologist uh, who I've been seeing about like anxiety and stuff like that. And I was on my way to the appointment thinking, I'm, and I was worried because I was feeling pretty good. And I was like, I don't really have anything to complain about today. What am I going to talk about to the psychologist? Like, yeah. what a stupid thought to have <laughs> in that, like, I was so worried that I was feeling good. <laughs> like, I couldn't. And then I was also concerned I had worn that same jumper the last time I saw the psychologist. <laughs> and I was like, oh no, she's going to judge me. She's going to think I have one jumper. And it was just, it's so stupid, but from something like, you know, seeking medical help, yeah, you can you can pull anything out of that. So that's fun, that's, I guess. fun.
0: Well, it's, <laughs> it's so stupid. No, because well, I see one too now mm. to deal with like all my face stuff. Of course. That happened. And I, yeah, this it, is this weird human thing where on the way you're like, what am I going to wear? How will I look? Like suitably sad, but not completely deranged. Yeah. And then also she wants to like me. I yeah. want to be kind of funny. Yeah. Like one of her favorite patients. Totally. I definitely
1: want to be one of her favorite patients. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Want, I kind of want to be friends with mine because she yeah. seems rad. Like she has her tongue pierced.
0: <laughs> oh, that's cool. And
1: I've only glimpsed it a couple of times because obviously she tries to be a bit more conservative at work, but I, yeah. I'm sure there's tattoos under there too. She just seems yeah. cool. Yeah. And then um, she was asking what I was doing over the long weekend and I, you know, I said comedy festival was starting. And I said, what about you? And she's sort of like, it's like she didn't quite want to answer because she didn't want to, we're not friends. But she yeah. was like, oh, it's my kid's birthday. And I was like, oh, she has a kid. Yeah. Oh, my God. I want to know everything. Like, I just want to be a friend.
0: Just sat out taking notes. Yeah. Okay, kid, tick.
1: I want to ask her how she is. But, yeah. uh, you know, that's weird, apparently.
0: <laughs> I know. Well, that's what I find the weirdest bit. Because my default is, how are you going? Yeah. Well? Tell me. Oh, right. Yeah. See. and actually mine I tricked her and she ended up telling me about like some fall that she had and then she snapped out of it and was like oh and how are you yeah
1: there you go yeah yeah, yeah it's so funny isn't it, it is
0: so is anxiety something that you've been dealing with for a while or is it
1: I think it's kind of come come along more recently I've always been a real perfectionist I think that's just in my nature um and the more and more I took on because I do have my finger in many pies, mm. you know. I, I work a day job and we do the podcast, which is at least one or two nights a week. Um, I was doing stand-up a few nights a week and um, radio here and there as well. So I, I do too many things. I'm spinning a lot of plates and I think um, – the last cut, it's like the last two Januaries I've had meltdowns. I think January and I don't get along. (laughs) By March, I'm usually fine, (laughs) which is really funny. Um, But yeah, I I think um, I do get, I do get overwhelmed and then I get anxious from that. And I think there's this weird thing where you don't want to, you kind of don't want to talk to people about it. Not necessarily like I think I was okay in going. I'm going to get some help, and I'm going to go see a psychologist. That's fine. But then in talking to other people and saying that that's what you're doing, I feel like there's there's a bit of stigma there of don't tell people. Mm. So I'm really active, and I will tell people. Um, mm. I'll come back from appointments and I'll tell. I'll talk to Mum about exactly what we talked about, or I'll talk to my boyfriend about what we talked about and stuff like that because I I want to I want to make it okay. I don't want there to be any shame involved with it at all i don't want to be embarrassed that i see a psychologist there's nothing clinically wrong with me mm. i'm fine i just get overwhelmed and that makes me a bit anxious and mm. there's absolutely nothing wrong with speaking to someone to get tools to deal with that better
0: 150 percent. yeah and
1: yeah. then that makes me a better person to be around because i'm not a stressed anxious bitch all the time because i am so <laughs> snappy when i'm nervous i'm a real bitch <sighs> when i'm nervous oh yeah Mum learnt that <laughs> very early on, you know, before drama performances. I'm fine, Mum. Don't judge me. You know, <laughs> Okay. All right. She's nervous. Then the yeah. performance is over, and I'm your best friend again. But yeah. Um, and my boyfriend's learning. <laughs> Comedy <laughs> festival is. He's learning. He's like, okay. Saturday morning, she's real snappy and grouchy. But by the time her show's finished, she's fine. Hmm.
0: Interesting. Interesting.
1: So yeah. yeah yeah I just think like if there's no shame in it then there shouldn't be and if if you can talk to somebody quite openly about you know you don't have to tell them every tiny detail that you've spoken to your psych about but mm. if you can sort of be like oh I'm you know I have issues with anxiety too then maybe that could then mean that somebody else goes oh maybe maybe it's not so bad if I went and got help or whatever it may be
0: absolutely well because yeah. I think that Human beings' brains are sort of a little bit self sabotage Oh, yeah. Massively. And so we need like a big fuck-off toolkit <laughs> to like carry around with us yeah. for emergencies. Mm. And even just, because I know I'm the same, I don't have any sort of depression or like clinical stuff going on, that life is hard. Yeah. Stuff happens to you. And I think that there is absolutely nothing wrong with getting going to someone else, like an expert, mm. and being like, give me some stuff, teach yeah. me some things. Because we do that with everything else. Yeah. We like, spend lots of years studying a course that maybe we don't even actually use mm. in our job, but we don't want to spend a bit of time, you know, getting some stuff to help us with our brain. Yeah.
1: And I realized yeah. too that like I I... Was thinking about like how much it might cost to see a psychologist and sort of going, well, maybe it's maybe I don't really need it. But if I'm if my back goes or if I get a migraine, I go straight to the chiropractor and spend $65 for a 15 minute appointment. Yeah. Whereas I can spend a little bit more and have an hour and have some stuff to work through. That's so helpful. Like we just don't think about our brains as much in terms of like looking after your health
0: complete and well and that's your tool yeah like your brain i mean obviously everyone needs it yeah. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> no not everyone <laughs> doctors don't need it <laughs> yeah, <interview>. yeah. <laughs> but you know i mean well everyone's it's everyone's tool but creatively mm. to be someone who's creating you're constantly having to examine your life and other people's lives and yourself and blah. you need to have need to care for that yeah and care for that that's um stila picola talks a lot about that in her show Mm. about her sort of um seeing the warning signs of what she's dealing with with her mental health and then either ignoring it and then how bad it can get yeah and i think mental health is a huge issue yeah for so many people particularly in australia and in a lot of other places and
1: just something we don't really talk about that much no. And, and I don't, I've found that I would kind of put it down a little, put down my own anxiety and you might be like, oh, I don't have full anxiety. I just get a bit busy or I'm just, you know, yeah. I shouldn't really even, I can't say that I have those kind of issues, but like there, there's a spectrum, there's mm. a huge range mm. and yeah, some people need a, a lot more help and may need medication or whatever it was works for them. Yeah. Um, and other people might just have rough patches and need to talk to someone for a little while and get back on their feet and then they're okay. Yeah. Um, but they, there's no shame in any of it. No. Or there shouldn't be. No. Yeah. Get
0: that shame in. It's so Tell weird. Tell everyone about it. Yeah. yeah. So that's why
1: I, I do really consciously talk to people that's about awesome. yeah what i'm doing i guess
0: yeah do you ever use comedy to help you work through stuff
1: i think so i think my brain defaults to laughing about things yeah which is good and it is a good way to deal with things and it's like we were saying before with the feedback you get you got you sort of have to laugh um so yeah i think so i think um i think it'll happen more and more i haven't really done stand up for about 6 months now mm. i've taken a little break cuz it's finger in too many pies and i thought I'm not giving enough of myself to any of it. I'd rather sort of focus on one or two things for a while and and get really good at them and actually put the work in. Yeah. Um and also I wasn't enjoying it. I wasn't enjoying stand up because I wasn't wasn't I didn't have time to write new material, so what I was performing was stuff that I'd done before. So you're not really getting much out of doing a performance. Yeah. Um so I was like I'm just going to have a little break for a while and now I'm feeling kind of motivated to get back into it again and, yeah, try different things and, and find the comedy that I really want to do, mm. which is really exciting and terrifying.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, it is really exciting. Yeah. Did you use Comfest like that too, kind of looking and seeing what everyone's doing? I've
1: been or... trying to. I haven't even seen as much as I would have liked to just because I ended up getting busy through the mm, week, which yeah. sucks. It's so hard. It is hard, wow. and and so like Tuesday nights are out because I do mid dawns Tuesday into Wednesday, oh, and so then you're that. tired Wednesday. Yeah. So it's um I've been busy, but yeah, I've been trying to see things and sort of wow. get ideas of what I would like to create, what sort of show I want to make. Yeah. But my idea, and I wanted to do a solo this year. That was always the plan. And then sort of comedy festival last year was like, Mm-mm, I'm not, I'm not doing it. Um. But I want to make something. That's different and and not what people expect of me and I want I want people who know me to leave the show going, I didn't know she could do that. And I don't mean that in like a a braggy way, but just doing something a bit different. Yeah. Yeah. So it's exciting, but it's (laughs) terrifying. (laughs) Everything I'm doing is exciting and terrifying. Yeah,
0: but that's the that's when you know the juice is good. Yeah. Because that make that make no sense. When the juice is good. Yeah, the juice is good. <laughs> but you know, that's where you know you're in that spot where yeah. you're just like real terrified. Yeah. But not so terrified that you won't do it. Yeah. Just that you're scared to go in that space. Yeah. That's gonna be interesting. I can't wait to see what you do. Who knows what
1: I'll do, yeah. I'm not even sure. But I'm lucky too that there is so I've got so many people around me that I can like bounce off. Like I'd, I'd, you know, run stuff by Matt and Dave, or I mean, good friends with Auntie Donna, who are amazing sketch comedians. So so to be able to say to one or all of them, like, can I buy you a coffee and just pick your brain for a bit? Um, I'm so lucky to have those resources. So who knows? But yeah, that's kind of I'm trying so hard to get the balance better because I've been. All of last year, I was working a full time job and trying to do all the other things. Mm. Now I'm going more into like working kind of casually, part time. I'm I, in my head, it's going to fix everything, but I'm still spinning the exact same number of plates. It's just that I'll be ho- working a bit less, which will hopefully mean then a little bit extra time for the creative stuff that I love to do mm. and actually putting the effort into it instead of just doing the bare minimum to, well, I've got a podcast report done, so whatever. Whereas I could yeah. make it a bloody good podcast report or I could write some new stand-up and be excited to go and do it. Yeah. I think that's what's going to be hopefully. I'm so hopeful that it will work, but yeah. who knows?
0: Oh, I reckon it will. I hope so. I, I, from what I can see of, of what you do, it will. Yeah. Definitely. I think it's always really good to give yourself a little bit more room
1: Mm. in your life even if it means like working less and therefore maybe earning less money
0: Mm.
1: it doesn't really matter because i it's not it's not my priority right now no like last year i needed to like save up some money and and pay off some credit card debt and stuff like (laughs) that so i was like well we're just gonna work full-time this year yeah whereas now it's like i can maybe pull back a little bit give myself a bit more time and i'm a very organized person Uh, i'm a virgo so very very organized. Um. So I I was thinking even earlier today, it's going to come down to me looking at my week and be like, okay, these are the days I'm working. These are the gigs I've got. This is when the podcast is. And finding time, like I'm literally going to have to schedule me time.
0: Oh, that's great.
1: Which I think is probably what I have to do. Like even if I've got to say, do some work, I've got Thursdays off. All right, well, I'll work from nine till midday and then midday onwards is my time. Mm. And I can go and read a book and I just want to be able to do those things and not feel guilty about them yes. and not feel like I should be doing something else or there's more work that needs to be done. Because I think you, all the comedians that I admire, like they, they will talk about things that they've – shows they've watched, books they've read, things they've done through the day or activities they've done. It's like I don't have time to do any of those things, so I've got no material. Whereas yeah. if I could let myself read a book or go for oh. a walk or – people watch, whatever it is, it's going to mean that I can be a lot more creative.
0: Yeah, well, you've got to absorb Mm. stuff. You've got to let it percolate in there. And I used to do it with uni essays, which sometimes I thought was a crock. It was just me putting things (laughs) off. But it kind of did work where you kind of read a whole lot of things and then you just do other stuff. Yeah, But you're just letting it sit there and your brain kind of, your subconscious kind of does some things. And then when you come to actually sit down and do some work, comes out yeah but you have to give yourself that room James is really good at doing that Mm. he watches a lot of stuff and reads a lot of stuff and that's where all of his stuff comes from yeah
1: and that's amazing and being able to like yeah read a lot or watch something and then go for a walk or like I love to run so go for a run and that's when like things become a lot clearer to me like on the treadmill a lot of the time I'm like, oh, my God, I've just had an idea and that thing I was mad about, I've just realised why I wasn't actually mad at that person, I was mad at something else. You know, like it's yeah. that it's like clarity. and But I, so I barely make time for that. So I am really hopeful. In my head, just working slightly less is going to solve everything.
0: It, oh, <laughs> yeah, I never hope so. go, It never goes wrong when you think that, yeah. of course. Uh, yeah. Life life just goes the way you plan it.
1: Exactly.
0: Completely. <laughs> Completely. You don't end up
1: at a dentist and getting no. teeth pulled. <laughs> no,
0: no. no, it's fine. Go for a run to clear your head and then fall on a brick. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. decision. Yeah. Yeah. It's um it's interesting. One thing I really loved, I've been and I'm we're nearly yeah, so I'll be quick, but <laughs> Liz Gilbert, um, and I think someone foster Blake might have said this recently too. They make dates with themselves to do their creative stuff mm. too. Like they make a date to do their fun stuff, but then they'll be like, okay, I'm dressing up for this. I'm makeup on, dress on, I'm going to this particular cafe or I'm sitting at this particular desk and it doesn't matter if in that hour or two hours, I get nothing done, Yep. but I'm here showing up for my genius or whatever it is yep. that Liz Gilbert calls it. And if you'd like to join me and so I can write this thing, great. Yep. And if for two hours I've got three words, well fine fine yeah but i but i'm showing up yeah and i think i like that idea cuz i can put a thing off for a very long time yeah
1: and i think that's that's a good point in terms of showing up for the work and i think it's also really important to show up for the self-care cuz that's something that, that my psych and i were talking about just recently where she was sort of saying when you're at uni you know you know that you're at uni and you're studying and you're getting an education you're figuring out what you want to be but at the same time, we automatically prioritise like the social thing as well. So you'll catch up with friends or you'll go to that uni party or whatever because you know that it's your time to experience things. And then you get become an adult and you get into the real world and you just go, well, I go to work and I go home and I do this. And things like going to the movies or catching up for coffee or drinks or something become a luxury. Mm. And I've definitely put that into that. I don't have time for those luxuries. Mm. And so I think even more importantly for me at this stage is to – make time to wander around an art gallery by myself. I love I love photography, oh, I love art. So I, I sometimes I just like to go to NGV and just wander around. And it can be an hour, it can be two, and then I'll grab a coffee and head home. But I feel so much better. Or sitting in a park and reading a book. Like you just need to – for me now, it's not about showing up for the work because I will always you show up that. for the yeah. work. <laughs> yeah. But I don't show up for myself. Oh, so I've got to do that more. That's huge. And stop feeling like – just going to the movies is like a bit of I'm being a bit cheeky. Like a bit lazy. A, yeah. Or a bit like kimchi. What a luxury. No, go to the fucking movies. It's yeah. fine. And
0: it's part of your job. Mm. It's actually part of your job. Exactly. If you think about it like that, like it's part of shaping whatever it is you're going to do. Yeah. You have to absorb creative stuff. Yeah. And look at stuff and so, yeah. to be able to do it.
1: I'm so hopeful, but I don't know how it's going to go.
0: I'm hopeful for you, Jessica. <laughs> I reckon you can show up for you. I hope so. Yeah. You're good at everything else. So I'm sure you can, you can do it. And yeah. Yeah, you've inspired me too. I love going to art galleries and doing yeah. a wander. Just a it's wonder. Awesome. and It doesn't
1: have to be a full day, no. it can just be an hour and it's amazing, it's oh, so good for your soul.
0: It is. I used to just love doing that before I had my little guy, just mm. like, just go for a coffee, sit and look at some leaves and then wander around a bookshop and yep. look at someone doing something funny.
1: And it's whatever mood you're in, sometimes I'm not in the mood to be alone, sometimes I'm so happy to just sit and just be by myself for a while and it's the best. Yeah. Or just like, yeah, I don't know, catching up with friends more, just things that that nourish you, you know, Yeah, which is nourish. such a wanky thing to say, but it's so true.
0: It's actually really – well, you've got to – oh, now this is the worst. <laughs> Fill up your cup. Yeah. You know, put on the seatbelt or whatever before you put the seatbelt on other people yeah. or you do. You have to do that or you end up like a crazy person. Yeah. Which I think is why I fell over in the end because I was just trying to do all those things and then – Yeah, and if you fall over or something, it all falls off and the wheels all come off. Well, then you can't even do the work. Yeah. So there's no point in putting it all off because you'll end up in dire straits. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. I just, I was just yeah. I felt
1: like that was a therapy session in itself. <laughs>
0: it really was. I, like I talked it. about
1: so many different things. <laughs> oh. It
0: was great. Yeah. Oh, out. No, I feel like it's a therapy session. I'm gonna couch the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. uh, so where can we find you at the moment? What are the things where
1: online? Um I'm I'm so I'm such a fan of Instagram. I'm always doing Instagram stories. you can find me on Instagram. I think I'm just Jess Perkins on Instagram and Jess underscore Perkins at Twitter, but mostly do go on. That's my main thing at the moment, and intermittently I'm on Triple J as well I'm All at different weird times, usually 1 a.m., sometimes <laughs> in the afternoon, on weekends, who knows, wherever they put, can fill me in, that's where I go.
0: My favorite thing that you do on Instagram, So I love <laughs> an Instagram too, I'm really getting into it. It's just you at like three AM, being like, oh, uh, I all enormous snacks early, <laughs> and now I'm panicking. Oh, that was that was very
1: upsetting when I ate all my snacks. Yeah, I always love doing the, um, the late night Instagram stories because um, you start off feeling pretty good, and then you crash, and then you're fine again, and yeah. it's really fun. And also, it's I'm alone in a studio for five hours, so um, I've got to do something to keep myself entertained. Yeah,
0: definitely, <laughs> definitely. Okay, well, check Jess out on Instagram or. It's 3am on Triple J. (laughs) And thank you so much for coming in. Thanks for having me. Yay. You've been listening to an episode of Just Make the Thing with me, your host Claire Tonti, and the wonderful Jess Perkins. You can find more of our podcasts at planetbroadcasting.com. You can find Jess Perkins on Twitter or on her podcast. Do go on. And also sometimes presenting on Triple J. If you would like to email the show, you can contact us at justmakethingpod at gmail.com and you can find me on Twitter at Mrs. Sunday Movies or on Instagram at Claire Tonti. Also, we would love you to be a part of our charity campaign this year. We'll be sending you lots of bonus content, including the Q&A from James and Meso, and maybe a couple of extra stuff too from our other podcasters. So head on over to that page there. You can find more information about Care Australia at planetbroadcasting.com and the link for the charity campaign is in the show notes. So we would love you to be a part of that too. Okay, have a great week. See you next time.